Okay, hey, well, what we're doing this morning is continuing to go through James, and it's been a, a, a really good study for my own heart, and we go through it piece by piece, and today we're at the, the end of chapter 3. So if you'd like to follow along, we're going to be in James chapter 3 this morning, and we'll be beginning in verse 13. But we're talking today about wisdom, and, and in some senses it doesn't seem like James... Um, is difficult, but in other really important ways, James won't let me get comfortable. I always feel like he's pokey and pokey at me. And and so this morning you might not think so because this morning we're talking about wisdom, and so I, I get that. I, I read I read one this morning. Seven tips on choosing a spouse, kind of give some wisdom on how to choose your spouse. You know, I read ten tips on parenting or or, or five ways to make your devotional life better. And I read those things because I want to improve and I want to get better. And nobody wants to be a fool. Nobody wants to be a fool. We laugh at fools, right? I spend my life not wanting to be a fool. Fools are people who are obviously putting their foot in their mouth all the time. I think of, uh, I'm dated, you know. Is it Inspector Clouseau on the Pink Panther? He just bumble along, and it's just like you laugh at the guy. Or my brother likes these movies. He's a pastor in Vienna. He likes Mr. Bean. That I don't know. I I don't even have, can't find it funny. But but the man is is a remarkable fool. And it says the Bible says terrible things about fools. That the fool returns like a dog to his own vomit. Yuck. I I, I laugh at it, but then I I don't. I don't want to be like that. The fool, the fool, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's actually a little comforting to me because I'm gathered here to worship God, therefore, I'm not a fool. That's right. So it must be there's these things that I go, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I'm working on not being a fool because the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord, and here I am fearing the Lord, not in some, not in some cowering way, but in this awestruck wonder at what he's done. And so, and so I actually think that the division this morning isn't this, oh, we're just growing in wisdom, I'm so glad I'm not a fool. If it was that, then we could have a nice pat on the back, and we could say, hey, here we go, and there's 18 tips to be wise. That's not what James is after for me this morning. But... I just think we need to start there because it's true, isn't it, that wisdom is beautiful. I long for it. I want to have a beautiful life. It's important. You know the word for wisdom in Hebrew? It means skillful living. I want to live skillfully. Don't you? I don't want to live like a fool. A life that is beautiful is lived in the right way. I think we all long for it. James knows it. He calls out for actions that are beautiful, not of understanding. So, I just, first, I kind of want you to see, and I just want you to see James is there. He sees the beauty of wisdom. That's verse 13. Look at it with me. James chapter 3, verse 13. He says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. (laughs) Sound good? Sounds good to me. We know this, right? Don't we long to have well-run lives, not chaos? It's beautiful. That's that word. It actually says, who's wise and understanding by his good conduct. That word for good isn't like morally good. It's beautiful good. Let him by his beautiful life, like a dancer gracefully moving, you know? Things just flow rightly. Like it. 
have an eye for doing things the right way. Sort of like a Swiss clock. You know, I look at those little clocks and they have all those moving gears and they're so amazing. I like it. I like everything in order, moving the handle as it goes around. And ah, Wisdom does that. And that's why mostly I see my life sort of as this battle between wisdom and foolishness. I, I think foolishness is, is bad behavior. It's not beautiful either. Getting drunk, right? Losing all inhibitions. How foolish. Yuck. Really bad idea, you know. Wisdom weighs words and we act kindly and we think, we think before we speak and we live in moderation. There was this large family once at a church I used to go to. Large family, and every week that all the kids would file in, and they were just perfectly dressed and, and in order. They actually sat in, in order of of height, and they they wore it sometimes matching clothes. It was really cool, and they would all come to me and say, and, and their kids would kind of have downcast eyes. It was just really cool, and they they would hello, Mr. Swanson, hello, Mrs. Swanson. They would say, I like it. There's a um, there's a beauty in it. Not foolish. It seems like their parents are really skilled. They'd be the people I'd want to go say, how, how are you raising your kids, man? I, I want wisdom. There's that piece in there I don't really understand. I, it says, who is wise in understanding? I get that. Okay, if you're wise in understanding, then by your beautiful conduct, show show your work, show what you do in, in, in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness there kind of is like humility and the humility of it. I, I I want to table that and talk about it in a few minutes because I don't really think it fits with so much. I'm just thinking about wisdom versus folly. But there's some humility there somewhere. Beautiful conduct and good works have to come back because in my thinking and my division all the time about wisdom and foolishness, and I'm in wisdom over here, come join me. I will give you practical tips. To stay there and not be that guy. James is actually doing something different. James is actually doing something different. James is actually aware that you have passed from foolishness into wisdom. Why? Because you're a Christian. Fear for the Lord's beginning of wisdom. James is more pokey. James isn't after the ten tips. James actually, to me, is focused in on, on this piece of of, of wisdom, and he wants to show you something as you live in wisdom. He wants to show you. That's why our picture was of two paths this morning. Our our, our whole series, little series, are going to be his life in conflict. The conflict is not between wisdom and foolishness. Every person you will ever meet your whole life, nobody will say, how I long to be foolish. Come with me and be foolish. They'll be foolish, don't get me wrong, but they won't long for it. We all want to be wise. And so here we have two paths James is laying out for you and me on how you be wise. Desert 14. We don't have a long text this morning. We get to kind of think about it. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. 
Do you, do, you, do you see? It's easy just to run right through this and kind of think, oh, well, he doesn't like this and he likes this. But, but actually, he, he's, he's not making the line that you might be making. This is not false conflict he's talking about where we're calling out these two things that really aren't different. They're false dichotomies. This is a real dichotomy. Two paths, and it's not really wisdom and folly. It's two kinds of wisdom. You see that? There's a wisdom that comes down from above and a wisdom that doesn't. So earthly wisdom, to James, appears to be applying skill, because that's what wisdom is, in good works, good conduct, that's what wisdom is. You know, if you've, if you've got wisdom, you apply it in, in, in good works. That's what you do. You're acting out your wisdom, your skill in living. You're acting it out. But earthly wisdom, you're doing that from the vantage of yourself. You see that, right? Motive matters, says James. Wisdom shows, but if what's in your heart is jealousy and ambition, that's a problem. It means, it means you can have the good conduct. You can have it. You can have the good works. But you can do it from the wrong inside. You can have earthly wisdom. The pokiness of James is that all the way through he's talking to Christians. That's real pokey because I'm a Christian. I'm very willing to talk about those foolish people out there. I'm very willing to talk about how people outside the church act in foolishness or in earthly wisdom. But he's talking to Christians and saying, could it be that you're applying skill in living in the wrong way? There's not foolishness. Foolishness is bad conduct, right? Getting drunk is bad conduct. (laughs) This is skillful from the perspective of self-advancement. And that's because... That's because from a bad heart, you can apply skill. What do I mean? Well, think about it for three seconds. It does not hard to see, right? If, if you're given applause every time you do something good, then if you want to grow yourself and get applause, what will you do? Good things all the time. I mean, this is with my kids, right? I mean, if I want my kids to, um, to, to clean the garden... I can say, go clean the garden from the love of your dad. That doesn't really make a move. But if I tell him, I'll give you a dollar for every rock, I get a pile of rocks. Why? I want the money. I want the money. I want it. Why? So I'll do it because I'll do skillful things. You see, I'll do good things. I'll go clean the garden like my dad wants me to because I want the money. That's a kind of wisdom. It is. That, that's, that's this selfish ambition piece, right? It, it's simple math. Wise people can do math. Foolish people can't even do the math, but wise people do the math, and they say, hey, hey, wait a minute. So when you look around, you know, sometimes you look around and you see how other people are living, and you go, wow, I, I want that. I want to be like that. So you go to them and you say, hey, hey, what are the techniques that you have used to get that? Because I'm bitterly jealous that I don't have that. They give you their 12 techniques to get there, and then you start applying those techniques from a heart of jealousy. So the techniques of wisdom are wisdom. But what drives your behavior 
Maybe it's because you want to get as much blessing as the Joneses. Sorry, Joneses. Right? And then that it's a big problem for you and me. And this gets pokey to my heart because our problem is not good works. Actually, it kind of is our good works. I, I guess I should say it the other way. Our problem really is not our bad works. <laughs> we know they're bad. <laughs> we know. I'm very aware that my bad works are bad. I'm not without knowledge that when I mess up, I'm a stinker. The problem is our good works. We see them as good. Skillful living, motivated on self-improvement, self-exalted wisdom. It's called earthly wisdom to James. Earthly. And if you think this way, James says, think again. Because it's not just earthly. That doesn't sound so bad. It's unspiritual. That sounds bad. I don't want to be unspiritual. It's, what was the word? Demonic. Ouch. I can just hear James making the point that this is how the demons do it. This is how they live. From that vantage point of them. And their power and their control and their achievement and their, that this is, this is, this is bad, 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 bad. They're wise in some sense, but not in the sense that matters. They're acting wisely from a base of ambition and jealousy, and it will lead eventually to disorder and every vile practice. It may not look like it now, but earthly wisdom it is, and at its core, it is futile, it is deadly. This is our problem, you and me, and this is why I have such difficulty. I evaluate things on their surface. I can't see your heart. I can't even see my heart. So what is here in James' earthly wisdom, why it's so important, is that it's so reasonable. It makes such sense. There are so many people, there are so many Christians who essentially are calling you to improve your life for the glory of God. Get a little better. And, and, and because he'll reward you. Because you will... Have more blessing. Like the end goal of the believer is the works that you do. It's not folly. It's not folly that you do good things. It's good. But you do need to filter, don't you? Don't we? We need to watch ourselves. And there was this man in the 1500s. I shared this with our, with our Christian school this week. And, and, uh, I'll do a tiny bit here. It's just, his name is Martin Luther. He is really the father of the Protestant Reformation. You know, everybody was in the Catholic Church, and then, and then there was this spark of, of, and all of our churches, mostly that we go to now, are Protestant. They're not Catholic because of this man. And, and then he wrote the 95 Theses, famously tacked them on the wall there in, in the 1500s. And so, you know, six, 500 years ago, 500. But really, one of his strongest, cleanest, clearest treatises was on this thing called the Heidelberg Disputation. And it was about indulgences, which is to say it was about good works. He wanted the church. He wanted people around him. He wanted the fellow Christians that he knew to think more clearly about their good works. And so he wrote these theses, and you can read about them. There's a wonderful book about him called On Being a Theologian of the Cross. And, but but, but this, is, this is the deal. He, 
he, he laid out for this, for the Christians, this, this contrast. And I must say this, it's for the Christian. He says, we are theologians, all of us. All of us, all of us think theology all the time by what we do, by how we act, is where we're acting out of how we think of God. And, and he said, there's, there, there's, there's two kinds of theologians and it's not a false dichotomy. It's not that there's 12, there's, there's two. He says the, the first kind is a theologian of glory. And what James calls earthly wisdom, Luther would call a theologian of glory. He means that we're, we reasonably do good works in order to show ourselves worthy, in order to improve ourselves in the eyes of God and man, in order to maintain blessing, in order to show progressive improvement, in order to maximize glory for God and for ourselves. We do good things to maximize glory. We join arms, you and I, marching towards heaven, better and better. That's, that's the thought. But here's the thing, Martin Luther said. And I think James would echo it. I think James is saying it here. He, he, he says, here's the things. Our good works, they, they always look splendid but they are almost always flawed. He didn't use the word flawed. He said they have mortal sin in them. He got much stronger. But, but I think the concept that you want to take in is that I never do things out of a perfectly pure motive, right? We, we take that in all the time. It makes us actually be people who don't do things because we're afraid. Our motives are mixed because we see this. We see that when we do things, our motives are always a little bit mixed. And Martin Luther said that little mixedness ruins it, you see. It looks great, but if I get to the actual core, why you do all the things you do, the things that you actually are doing are, are imperfect. They're not perfect. They're flawed. They're tainted with pride. And so we come back to, to, to verse 13 that we started with, right? In James's call that we might... If we, if we are wise, if we are understanding that we might do our conduct in the meekness of wisdom, in the humility of wisdom, in the lowliness, the meek, quiet gentleness of wisdom. Acting out of knowing that you have nothing good in you, that's acting well, says James, right? Many of us do these deeds, and we do a lot of deeds wrongly. They're done because we think they're required by God. We must increase day by day in personal improvement and wisdom. Wisdom is personal improvement. James says that this wisdom is, is spiritual, not, is demonic, is earthly. Do, do, do you see the problem? I long to be strong. You long to be strong, not not, not weak. There's a wisdom in this. I look and I see the strength of others in achievement, in reputation, in orderliness, in conduct. And, and I mimic that because that's what wisdom is, right? I ask other people how to raise my kids. I did ask that couple what they did, and it didn't come out till later, but I had to figure it out. What they were doing is they were pinching their kids in the pew to make sure that their conduct was good. I'm not willing to do that to my kids, but it, it actually produced some good behavior. It did. If that's what you're after. 
I ask other people about their jobs because I want, I, I want to, the life they have. And in spiritual realms, I speak of controlling my sin or overcoming bad habits and finding from other people how they overcame something so I can overcome it too because I'm about the overcoming part, you know, mostly. Normal, this is. But, but really what slips in is that I'm about growing stronger on the road to glory. That's what it is. If you're getting mad at me, join the line. I'm mad at myself. This sounds like I'm hitting at something we do. And yeah, James appears to be doing that. It's a theologian of glory. This Christian viewpoint is that we exist to get progressively better, and it's all over. It's reflected in, in John and James, the son of Zebedee. Remember how they came to Jesus there? And they said, hey, Jesus, we want to sit at your right hand and your left hand. The implication is, what do we do to get there? It's in the, the, the Simon the magician. You remember him? He was saying, hey, how can I get power? Because I want to do great things. It's reflected in our passion and zeal for self-attainment. Wise conduct from a heart of selfish ambition. And Here's the thing. I won't die. I hate it. I won't die, but I've got to die to myself. I've got to see my helplessness before conversion and after conversion and all the way through. I, I, I gotta die and I can't. I, 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 there's a piece of me that won't. There's a reason, you know. There's a reason Paul goes after these things. I mean, look at, is this really true? Here's 1 Corinthians 1. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I think it's true, but you kind of start to twiddle with the foolishness and the weakness to make the foolishness wise, right? And say, well, I'm after God's foolishness. Well, what is God's foolishness? And You say it's not your achievement. This is Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, but this is God speaking. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is what I strive for my whole life to get out of, is weakness. I strive for strength. He says, Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wait a minute, there's something else. There's the power of Christ that is seen in our Improvement. No. He's seen in your weakness. It's upside down. It's the Bible. I think it's what James is going after. I believe this is why Luther says of our works that our best works look splendid but are not, as, as opposed to God's works, he says in thesis four of these theses. They, God's work looks deformed but it's always immortally meritorious. It's, in other words, awesome. It is to this second wisdom we now turn. Not earthly wisdom, but wisdom from above. But the wisdom from above, different kind of wisdom, see it? The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Oh, 
think we said this already in text. It says the gospel raises its head all of a sudden. Why? Because there's a second kind of wisdom, and it's not the wisdom of skilled living from self-improvement, this mindset that we slip into. It's wisdom that is outside of you. It's from above. Wisdom that isn't about your attaining or your working on yourself or your building up yourself or your obtaining for yourself. It's beautiful and selfless and wonderful and, and, and it has these adjectives that are fantastic, pure. There's no hint of sin in it. No hint of impure motive or self-orientation. It's peaceable. It doesn't cause controversy or conflict. It moves rightly, right? It's gentle. Not some heavy-handed thing. It's, it's light and, and you like it. You like the soft touch. It's full of mercy and not judgment. It's full of good fruits. It's impartial and sincere. Just true all the way through. Isn't it great? I love it. You know what I do with it? Right away. Right away. You know what I do? How do I get it? I want it. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it. I, I see those adjectives. So what I'll do is I'll start working on pure. Let's try pure. And I'll just work on my actions being pure for the next three weeks. And then we'll take gentle. And I'll work on being gentle for the next three weeks. And then, and then I'll take peaceable. Oh, man, I'm going to be a man of peace. Um, what am I doing? I'm taking the characteristics of what happens with this wisdom and trying to get it by doing the characteristics. I am selfishly ambitious about getting it. What am I doing? Not getting it. Not getting it. It won't work that way, will it? (laughs) Wisdom from above, and this is what it looks like, and so I go after what it looks like. What's that called? Acting. It's called acting. I love how you look. I'm going to wear your clothes. James is like, it's got to come from the inside, and this wisdom from above comes down, it's outside of you. This is what it looks like, and you're supposed to go, oh, I want it. But you're not supposed to do, okay, let's get to work on obtaining the characteristics. Like somehow if I get this basket of good things, that's going to be heavenly wisdom. Because I'll tell you what, it's a truth from Scripture all the time. You aren't pure. I got you at base one. That's the whole right thing, right? Nothing I do is pure. (laughs) That's what James is so pokey on me. He won't let me work on my tongue. Can we see that in chapter three? (laughs) It's so bad, the tongue. The tongue is fantastically terrible. Oh, it's just a a sea of poison and it, it ruins everything it touches. And then he says, these things ought not be. Let's go to the next topic. Not get to work. I want this wisdom, and the humility of understanding says, I, I, I can't. Wait, it, it can't come from me. This is heavenly wisdom. Where is it? Jesus. This has something to do with Jesus. You know it's always my answer. You know the Sunday school answer is the really good one. Can, oh, we can't go wrong when I ask you a question to say the answer is Jesus. Could it be that when you talk about this heavenly wisdom, he's actually speaking of Jesus? I at least want you to consider it this morning because it's not as far-fetched as you might think. 
We read Proverbs 8. Remember reading Proverbs 8 this morning? We read about how wisdom calls out in the marketplace. And then it said, wisdom says, this personification of wisdom. Wisdom is a person. It says, I was with God at the beginning when he brought me forth from old. I was with him when he made the world, and I rejoiced over it. And I thought, and you say, wait a minute. Who was with God at the beginning? Wisdom was. Who else was with God at the beginning? Well, the Holy Spirit was. Who else was with God at the beginning? God the Son. And there's good evidence from Scripture. There's a couple different places. I'll, I'll show you one. There's, there's others. But here's one. This is Jesus speaking. He's in Luke. Chapter 11, I think. He says, Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. Jesus is speaking about how the wisdom from God, and it's if you notice in the text, is capitalized because the people that translated your Bible think, oh, this is actually a person. This is wisdom personified speaking. And the wisdom says this, and this is wisdom. And says, look what I did. I, I sent them prophets. And the interesting thing is if you go to Matthew chapter 23, you see this. You see, therefore... I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, some you will flog in your synagogues, persecute from town to town. What is this? Exact same scene, exact same setting. But Matthew heard Jesus say, I. What's that? The wisdom of God is Jesus. That's what the text is saying, right? That's the, in the Holy Spirit bringing this out because certainly it didn't. And the cross reference, well, hey, hey, Matthew, you write I and I'll write wisdom. But we do believe that, that these men were guided by the Spirit. And here the same thing, you have the, 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 the wisdom of God equated to Jesus himself. And then there's other places, but this is, this is enough for us, for you and I to consider that that wisdom that James is saying that we need to get is the wisdom who is Jesus not like Jesus, not what Jesus did, not, 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 not attaining the same works as Jesus that you and I somehow become little Jesuses and fight over. No, this is, this is wisdom who is Jesus. That's, that makes sense, actually. That makes sense in my passage that we are looking after. When we look at it this way and we say, hey, the wisdom from above where Jesus is, seated at the right hand of God, the heavenly wisdom who is Christ. He's, he's, Jesus is pure. Yeah. I, I'm not, but, but Jesus is. Jesus is peaceable. He's a man of peace, isn't he? He makes things right. He's at peace with the Father. Jesus is gentle and reasonable. Jesus is full of mercy and good fruits. Jesus is sincere. Jesus brings righteousness. And then and, and I realize there's another way. And, and it's not to be a theologian of glory. That is so common in our Christian circles that, that we fight over trying to get ourselves to be just a little bit better all the time. And we always see the, 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 that we don't. And really, if you're real and you're true, you don't think that when you're 65, you're way better than you're 18. You got more scars. Not in, not in a more strong way, anyway. You're actually a lot weaker when you're 65 than you're 18, physically. The opposite of a theologian of glory for Luther and echoing James is a theologian of the cross. 
Instead of me at the center, there's Jesus at the center. Good work is what Jesus did for you, for me. Our good works, Luther says, always look good and are always twisted. God's good work always looks deformed. You know, Jesus, Isaiah 53, and you should think about how there was, he was nothing to look at. We, we viewed him as ripped apart and torn and not lovely. Jesus wasn't a charismatic personality. Jesus does nothing to look upon, and yet the things he did were the most amazing things of all time. Jesus took and the religious people thought, you're not doing the right religious things. You're eating on the Sabbath. You're not controlling your disciples. You're doing things that aren't right. And yet he was doing the most amazing work that man will ever know. Dying for your sin. Suffering for you and me. What he did in his suffering and his selflessness for the lost is the most beautiful thing we will ever see. And you know what it does? I hope it does for you. Look what it does for me. It humbles me. It doesn't inspire me because I can't. It humbles me. For real, conduct out of receiving that gift. This is wisdom. Receiving Christ, it humbles you. The only way to get out of this trap of yourself, it's not transcendental meditation. It's not redoubled effort. It's, it's actually receiving Jesus. All of our skillful living, all of our good behavior, it's ruined by our imperfect hearts as I sit around with my torn presence and my broken rocks and I look at the great gift of God and I say, how amazing that I get you, Jesus. Wow. This is wisdom, isn't it? Receiving Christ. You can have a beautiful life, you see. Fix your eyes above where Jesus is. Heavenly wisdom. His name is Jesus Christ. This will lead you and I to humility, which is not thinking less of ourselves, although we certainly may when we don't aren't dwelling on the great love God has for us and the value he places in us. But really, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, right? Great C.S. Lewis quote, not mine. Forget about you. Think about Jesus and what he's done for you. Trusting Jesus. He is not righteous, the end of these theses, 25, that Martin Luther wrote. He is not righteous who works much, but he who without work believes much in Christ. This is abiding. This is actually how good fruit comes out. It's the humility, not of self-improvement, but of giving up yourself and trusting in Jesus. See, because you will act, you will have conduct. That conduct will be a result of what you believe. And, and so, and so, and so this morning, seven tips for, for who to marry. Find somebody who goes to church and who will treat you right. This is all good counsel. But, but a theologian of the cross, we see it a little differently. We see that though you pick the best you can, there will be suffering. Your hope's not in your marriage. Even if your marriage breaks apart, what are you experiencing in that pain? What are you experiencing? But the, the suffering that the Savior went through as well.
Life's not about you getting better and better and you making the right choices so you'd never suffer. That can't be true because I know the cross is true. It changes how we think. I'm simply unworthy. I'm unworthy of being in relationship. I'm not picking who God, who you can glorify God the most with. That's not thinking rightly, right? Marveling at the suffering and imperfection that God, who is, who is glory, is willing, is willing to shine through because in our weakness, He is strong. <laughs> we want to be theologians of the cross. So my goal this morning has been to try and show you that the fight of our lives is right here. I'm sorry it's been long. It's not between wisdom and foolishness. That's not the fight of your life. It is easy to see and every person is fine there. It's between these kinds of wisdom. It's between how you're going to see heavenly wisdom or earthly wisdom. And earthly wisdom will seem wonderful. It promises an advancing you. It seems reasonable. A theology of glory will call, pull you to improve, but it is wrong. Heavenly wisdom is Jesus. Be a theologian of the cross. Put your hope in all he's done. Understand it all the way through. Realize your vision is poor. Our state is weak. It is God who uses the weak and who loves the lost. He's our strength. He's our righteousness. And I will close with this out of the final Luther's thesis. He says, the law says do this and it's never done. Grace says believe in this and everything is already done. And if you will live there, you can be skillful in the meekness of wisdom. Let's pray.